Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to the Jesus and Paula show. Still streaming, still going live. (laughs) You know, you have to say that these days. Still doing what God has set us on the planet to do. And I tell you what, these are interesting times, which we all know, but this is a wonderful opportunity to draw nigh unto the Lord, to get closer to him and not use this as an excuse to fall off the wagon of discipline. I would say this is a time for your own personal, which we all know we're in a personal heart reset, but also to reset your relationship with the Lord. Reprioritize him in, in your home, your family home life, if you have children, and even if you don't, um, to have him become that the center for real. You don't realize until everything has to stop what you haven't been doing. There was this post I saw on social media last night, and uh, it was shared by a, a professor that we I used to have in school, and she said, I used to think I didn't clean my house because I don't have the time. And now I realize that's not the case. (laughs) And so, you know, a lot of us really want to tell ourselves that we aren't that tight on our relationship with the Lord because of time, because of demands, because of schedule. And now that so many things have come to somewhat of a grinding halt and you still don't want to do it, you realize, ooh, That isn't the case at all. I'm blaming my life, but it's not my life. It's me. It's absolutely me. And that's a hard reset. That's a real reality that you will talk about how bored you are, how much you don't have to do, or there's just all these people running around your home and all out of control, and then you still don't want to turn to the Lord or his ways. And this is when you find out, ooh, I think I need deliverance. For myself and other things. It is true. And so I want to encourage you to visit us at www.ppmglobalresources.com. We can help you get over it yourself and walk into your deliverance in this season. If you are a business owner, a leader over a ministry, and you are really in need of that one-on-one counsel, reach out to me about connecting with Dr. Price. She counsels high-level leaders, and she does all those things personally. Now, of course, it's not free because the information that you receive is not a prophecy that's just pulled out of the sky. It is, it is uh, advisement and strategy, spiritual intervention, and everything that goes with that when you buy in with Dr. Paula Price. So you can reach out to me and say, hey, look, I'm a leader over a, a business, a ministry, something of that caliber, and I am really needing strategy. I'm needing divine intervention here on my situation. She is available for that, so let me know. We as the advisors at PPM Global and our company, the Prophets and Apostles, we also do advisements. We have prayer advisements where you can have one-on-one prayer or one-on-one advisement. I have had more people ask about moving in the last several weeks and jobs than anything else. And from those sessions come tremendous strategy. 
we are trained, we're educated here, and so we can talk about you want to move into a region, well, let's talk about the spiritual climate of a region, the economics of that territory, and, and just things beyond, I'm sensing God telling you, you know, well, we can do that in a Facebook post. I mean, people do that every day. What do they say? This word is for someone. This word is for someone. God is faithful. This word is for someone. Keep the faith. Okay. Thank you. Right. So that's not what you get here when you sign up for your advisement, which is why, just like any advisor or any coach, it isn't free. When you sit down with an economic advisor and they are forecasting with you the future of your business, those services are not free. They are not, and they should not be. And so we do have a fee that we charge. I, it's very reasonable, very reasonable. We deal with uh, healing and deliverance, soul restoration treatment. We do those as well. I have people signing up for those. We do in the company to say this is the perfect time for you to get yourself together. And not just to say, oh, I just want to feel better, but to be useful. On the other side of this, there's going to be a lot of work to do. And anybody who has a half of an ear to hear, but the Spirit of the Lord is saying to his churches right now, so this is the beginning of some discomfort, not a one-and-done deal. And you want to have your mind right. Fear can make you crazy if you let it. And you want to have your soul right so that the Lord can work with you and through you and to you and you can be beneficial to him and his kingdom and other people. There's a lot of us who said our whole lives, oh, it's my God. You can use anyone like you can use me. And then he tries to and then you give all the reasons why he can't. Or not the way he wants to, just the way you want to. And, and that's not where we are right now. We're kind of past that. So take advantage of what we offer here. Maybe you've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off many times. But if somebody takes an assessment, I'll say, so how do you hear about it? You know, I've been thinking about this for two years. And finally, I just did it. So now is the time to just do it. Invest in you in this season. Invest in your soul. Invest in your healing, your restoration, your own well-being, your own peace of mind, clarity, and direction. The last thing you want to do is cut off your connection with the Lord in any way in your own personal life, but also cut off your connection with your lifeline to the people who keep you staying straight. So make sure you stay on your prayer calls if you're on them. Stay on those advisements if you're on them. This is the time to stay close to the people who can keep you grounded in God and keep you grounded in your purpose and in your destiny. I said this in my something pop-up the other day that this did not take the Lord by surprise. Many times we want to go back and reevaluate the prophecies that we received, those 2020 words, prophecy about your destiny, maybe last year, whatever, because now everything isn't picture perfect. So the, the temptation is to go back and undo prophecy to rewrite it to fit today's circumstances, not accepting the Lord prophesied this to you because he knew we're going to be right here. And then what's after here? And what's after this? And what's after that? So he's telling you, yes, this is the time to, or this is not the time to. Maybe there were things you wanted to do and he said no before and you couldn't understand why. And now it's like, oh, We've had that. Dr. Price and I have had those moments where people reached out saying, oh, let's see what God said. Don't do that. <laughs> wow. Just that fast. It became clear. What we had to take by faith six weeks ago are very clear right now. Very clear. 
And so you stay tied to that. And remember, now is the time to cling to those prophetic words, to cling to them and know that God is not going to say, oh, you know what, I have to do a retraction on that prophecy I gave you. My bad. Hold on. I didn't see this COVID thing coming. It just ran up on me. Let me go uh, find a viral accommodation for that prophecy I gave you. Oh, here it is. Here's another one. Disregard every word I gave you for the last year because I just didn't see this coming. I mean, that's ridiculous. Absolutely not. That's not God. So don't try and rewrite prophecies. Don't try and undo the word of the Lord now that you really have to walk on faith, walk on that water in certain areas. Ooh, I wonder if that's really God or not. Now's the time to be resolved. Be very resolved and resolute about who the Lord is and who he said you are to his plan, to his kingdom, a lot, I keep saying, a lot of things have become very clear, very clear. And in times of plenty and in times of exorbitance, nobody wants to hear, very few people, because the people who want to know the truth always want to hear what God is saying. But very few people want to hear something contrary to the happy status quo that we live in, which is why following somebody, so I love following Dr. Christ, because she's going to say the word of the Lord, we, we could all be eating off of gold plates, drinking out of silver goblets with diamonds, diamonds in them, and she's going to say, we're going to be at the gates tomorrow. No! <laughs> you know what? Okay, pack it up. Those are the people you want when in the midst of everything to the contrary, the true word of God comes forth. The true word. So it was all plentiful and in the previous decades, in the 80s. We were talking about this, 80s, and I really wanted to hear this kind of reality. And do you know how many people had prophesied this kind of thing 20, 25 years ago? Shut down, ignored, put out of business, and now posthumously some of them are getting credit. Well, thanks for nothing, okay? Now is the time. Let us honor the people of God while they are alive for their accuracy and hearing from God, even if it's not what we wanted to hear. Hard reset. She's been prophesying hard reset, teaching it, saying it for two years, thereabouts. Almost two years. But she said, we have a song, come up with it, but there's something about it actually happening. That even we have to be like, Lord, what's going on? But he's God. And so we have to stay locked into purpose, stay locked into destiny, and stay connected with the people who have an ear to God. Because sometimes the best thing that we need to hear is not the thing that makes us happy, but it is the thing that prepares us for what is coming and what God is doing. And credibility, now it's time to check that credibility, to go back and not just say I, somebody gave a word, a prophecy, a notion. Congratulations. But what is your entire track record? Not even just prophetically. In preparation, in grooming others for this and for what is to come. The Lord is he's God. He's, you know, when you really serve the Lord for real, you kind of get a little excited at seeing him show off this little bit. Smack some devils around. Yes. Clean out the church. Slap us around. And I'll say this, and then we will transition to the host with the most. <laughs> If you missed Wednesday Warriors last night, get on the stick, okay? You can visit Prophet Tala Price's Facebook page, T-A-L-A Price, and Apostle Paula Price page, Dr. Price, was her guest last night. It's also on her page as well. And you can get caught up 
on, she talks about canon, she talks about being an author versus being a writer and the Lord Jesus as the authority and what that means in his words. So go get caught up after the broadcast. Not right now, obviously. But you like that author. I did. Why did you like that? Well, I like that because uh, Dr. Price, in, in our commission readiness training program, the last book that we went through was Scriptures Authoring Mantles. And she's there. And I remember. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-oh. And, ah, she's on and she's on. And in Scripture's Authoring Mantles, Dr. Price went to great place. You hear me? My mind just still has stretch marks from doing the homework. Actually, I pulled that book out the other week. And I'm, we'll be back in it for Consecration April. And where she breaks down what it means to author. She Now, she was connecting the apostle and the prophet's mantles to being the primary authors of Scripture, but understanding the authority and the authentication, and the authentication and from the an author and the authorization. It's three days. Say it again. Authority and authorship. Yes. And then what do we say? Authentication and authorization. And authorization in the author. Last night's broadcast, she broke down the difference between writing a paper, which is a compilation of other authors, usually <laughs> taking what they've authorized to make your statement, prove your point, whatever you're rolling out on the paper, versus being the actual author. You know, um, I appreciate having the privilege of producing fruit, bearing fruit after my own kind, and considering how difficult it is, you need to know that those people that I produced that are my seed, are my offspring, they too have gone through. Mm-hmm. And, but I never believe in training people without a hope. Mm-hmm. And that's the essence of education. Education is always the present readiness for a future calling or for a future profession. So they were taught all the while we were doing decommissioning that I don't do vain titles, I don't do empty labels. I mean, come on. I don't care that you see a red and a white stripe on a can. You have to assume that it's Campbell's soup. That's an assumption because anybody can take the words off and you just see the stripe and you're going blind. People should not be trained in the blind. And the Lord wants me to tell you all that. Many of you all have been with the same mentor for 10, 15 years. You are still anonymous. You're working in the tiny pot, and you don't have a hope. You have to go out and make your own way. And that's not how Jesus did. You know, when Jesus went home, remember he said, well, Lord, will you now start? No, I'm going to prepare a place for y'all. Mm-hmm. He went. Jesus always prepares a place for you. You enter into something. And if you don't enter into it, then you are going in to help fix it. And so people are stunned. Part of the issue that a lot of people have when they meet us, when they enroll in my classes, when they come to my school, what is their issue? Oh, you all are set up because they came in to help. See, they still got the help mentality of the 70s yeah, and the sure. 80s. Sure. That, and I want you to pay to learn. You don't need to listen. You're paying the tuition. You need to learn. And so when she and I started talking and, and I started bringing my class together, I thought, no, no. When you come into my organization, you come in a ready work. Now, you may have, your skills and talents will be to enlarge it, to expand it. There are, like, you should talk to some of our reloads. 
They're doing things that they thought they'd never do. They're doing things that they knew God told them. Because when you're in the right academic, educational, or readiness program or situation, service situation, all your prophecies come together and they come alive. That's true. That's very true. That's why when you go there and you say, well, I thought, first of all, you need to check your thoughts because you, what you may be calling a thought is really a fantasy. So if you have an imagination of yourself singing to millions that you've never sung, then don't think you're going to go to your music teacher who's going to put you on a big stage. That doesn't work. Here's what I want you to remember about God. If you're taking notes, this is one of the things I pray you remember about the Lord, and that is God is top. He's the best of the best. So when he wants to to show himself, to show his glory, to show his strength, he's going to choose the top. I know a lot of you want him to choose the seeds and the weeds, but that is not our God. God doesn't look good when we, when we do poorly, when we do bad, when we don't know our job. That's why we're where we are today, because the church thought it didn't matter to God. And so you thought, well, my heart is right. You listen to the pastor who said, your heart is in the right place. You're so anointed. But I want you to understand, you have to look at where that pastor sits because the hot pastors are not wanting you to make them look bad. They got that from God. So they want you to shine. They want you to know. They want you to be on your game and the top of your game. And the problem with the church is we talked you into a mediocrity and an ineptitude that has literally furloughed us. I mean, we make the, we get the list of what can't be together. Why is liquor on the list? When it is an official governmental statement that it is an abusing or abusable substance. Liquor is included in substance abuse and addiction. And yet in this time where people need to try to get a sobriety about their lives, liquor stores can stay open. Other stores can't. And we still, you know what, we still down to the 10 and none. So I want you to recognize as we go forward, today I'm going to talk about the heart reset, but in, in light of what she said, God runs with the, if God wants to reach the top, he runs with the best. Mm. You can say, I don't care how many prophecies you got, but you're going to be global. If you're not good being local, if you're not good being domestic, if you're not good on the, at, the base, at the bottom of the mountain, don't worry about it. You'll never plant your flag on the top. And we, that's a heart reset. That's a reset we're going to live with. God is moving what has stopped giving him glory out of the way because God needs his glory. Because if God doesn't have glory, how is he going to get the next generation? So we have got out there. You look at Facebook and you look at all of this ineptitude and all of this mediocrity and all of this inanity. And where are they? On your little Facebook page. But who is God using? That's the thing. And who will he use in the future? And, and are you not just gifted enough? Are you trained enough? Are you expert enough? Because God runs with the top. I don't care what anybody, I know you all thought otherwise. And because it was such a glut at the bottom, you didn't know that nobody that you knew was going up. Because don't get caught up with the glut. The masses are at the bottom. But when God wants to stand out, he wants the best because God cannot let his word return to him void. So he's not going to get somebody 
an assignment about his word and its fulfillment and its authority who does not know the word. All of this mess that God is doing right now, this hard reset, it's also a cleanup. It's a cleanup and it's a clean out. And we have to look at it the right way. You can sit home and fuss. You can sit home and cry about corona. You can say, well, I'm just glad we don't have to do that church thing every day because I was tired. You can say all of that. But understand, all your words are ranking and placing you. Because God is playing. God's in it to win it. When I tell you he, he, he has to win through the ailment because he's always won, won in the spirit. So he's not going to use a losing ailment to do what he's won in the spirit. That's not going to happen. And so it takes a long time. God literally allowed, faith, allowed Saul to lose his kingdom because God needed a David to regain it. So he let the people know what losers look like and what they sound like, how they think, what and their effect on the population. He let the people get tired of this handsome, tall, handsome, regal-looking Saul who was nothing, who sold them to the nation, who took their children, who literally bankrupt the land. He let them, because, see, they were in love with his good looks. You know how y'all are with the good looks? You know how you are with these good-looking kids? Oh, come on. See, I don't care what anybody says. God doesn't promote a kid. Man does. Because David was anointed at 17. And he was 40 when God finished making him a king. So you all make, babies can be celebrities. But it takes veteran giants to be God's God's sovereign. And I'm telling you, God is cleaning this out. I promise you by the Holy Ghost. And he's doing it. And it's it's shame on you sitting up there with kids who haven't lived your life expecting them to lead your life. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. And I say that because you wouldn't follow your own children that way. And yet you're going to follow somebody else's kid who's having playground in the sanctuary, and you don't realize that that is irreverent. You don't realize that they're denigrating the sanctuary of God. Kids running around talking about sneakers is the thing to wear to church, droopy drawers. Kids who haven't worked out their own identity issues, and you expect them to, to literally sharpen and refine yours. Shame on you. I don't care if you're a television network, and I don't care if you're a tugboat. Shame on you. We even need a seasoned tugboat. Did you ever read a thing about the tugboat? That's not as easy as it looks. No. Leading anything. Doing anything. That tugboat know what he's doing. He's going to hit something. Shame on you. And that is God's word to you. Shame on you for promoting kids who have figured out their life, kids who are still fornicated. Kids who are still cussing and drinking. Kids who only can talk to you about superheroes. Kids who think the Avengers are better than God's Avengers. Shame on you. That's the Lord's word to you today. I, I say this as the mouth of the Almighty today. Shame on you. And when we come back, I hope God shut them all down. And I hope he shuts everybody who promotes them down. That's what I'm praying. My prayer, I'm not going to stop doing on consecration so you know it's going to be tough. Shame on you. You are living these kids, all of the stuff that they're doing, all of that playfulness. That's what you do in secret. 
That's what you do in, when you're under mentorship and not even mentors. Strong mentors will not promote their children young because they know the dangers. You didn't let us. No, 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 y'all not. No, no. And I told them, go if you want to. You go, you go out there. Don't come back because I'm in it to win it. I want my best foot forward, not my mess foot. And a lot of you all are just got all of this mess, and you're sitting up in these churches, backing these children, knowing they're going to fall, because God said before, honor is humility. That's Bible. But because you don't know Bible, you're caught up in baby land. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's disgusted with that practice. And I'm telling you, you're going to realize in the high in the hard reset how disgusted he is. It's a disgusting thing before him. His father told him at age 12, 12, go and submit to Joseph and Mary. Why did he say that? And then you're going to stand there and talk about, but I've been prophesying since I was 12. Where are you today? You're scared to say Jesus. Because you haven't even worked out your own soul, soul salvation with fear and trip, which is why you did it. I listen to these people, and we have, I mean, uh, right, right here in town, we got this kid. They do play, play games. They play um, secular songs. They play all kinds of craziness. They they think dressing up like the high school is the freedom of from Jesus. You, this kid is so bound that only his parents don't know it. This kid is bound. He is bound by a devil. When you look in his eyes, you can see the devil. If you have a discerning of spirit, you can see him. That was those giant black, defiant black dots looking back at you. Defiant black dots. There's no, there's no softness in this eye because devils can't care about people, and they hate sheep. Devils hate sheep, which is why they give them lousy shepherds. And I say this because it's time out. We have got to stop acting as if the apostle's job is the amen, error, and mess. We've got to stop backing this. Pull your money from these kids. Pull your support because you have to stand in front of God, not only for your own blindness and your own misjudgment and your own errors and decisions, you also have to stand before God for contributing to the demise of these kids. Poor character is poor character. And if a kid, anybody thinks that it is a wonderful thing to jump rope for Sunday service, that's not a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, it's shame on you you don't know your Jesus. Shame on you. You think you're going to spend eternity with somebody you can't even figure out here. Shame on, I'm telling you, God says it's a shame. And we watch these kids, television networks pick them up because they got numbers, plus a whole bunch of pubescent adolescents. And you count that as success? Gangs got pubescent adolescents. And they have better rules and better standards and protocols than these kids in church. They will, they're going to make you toe the line, whatever it is. It may be a wicked line. It may be a dead line. But God knows there's a line. And you're going to toe that line. And you don't defy that leadership. This, I'm just talking about disrespect. And these old people, old saints, that's why God says endure to the end. Because, see, it's good. you got a lot of strength to be zealous when you're young. But when you get old, that's when we, we see what you accumulated. Eli lost the kingdom when he got old. And how did he lose the kingdom? With his nasty little son. Nasty, so much so that God did not want the ark to stay with him. 
He was like, get me out of here. I'd rather go to my enemies. At least I know what I'm there dealing with Jesus. I mean, come on, get me out of here. I don't want to be among you. I don't want you to pretend to serve me. Coffee. And wanted to stay gone. He was gone all of Saul's reign. That's a couple of decades. He was like, I'm out. I don't want to be here. I'd rather be anywhere here than this far. Because this is farcical. Get me out of here. And I want to be with the enemy. Now, oh, at least with the enemies, I can kiss their behind and, 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 and at least get some respect. They at least respecting them enough to melt some tumor, give them a few rats, because they knew they were, that's what it was. Yeah. Eli got old. You look at all, let me tell you something. You start, and don't just expect the prophets. You need to expect your, the elders in the house. Who's holding it up? Are they where they were? Are they better at being saved? Are they better at representing Jesus Christ? Or have they defected to him with, with too many dinners with darkness? You need to ask. You really should, because your soul depends on you following them. He said, he who endures to the end. God's got a lot of first starters, quick starters, sprinters. But it's the marathoners that he's looking for. Because you know when you have to do something a long time, it's either going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better, it's going to make you holier, or it's going to make you hellish. Because this journey is a hard journey. It is difficult because, not because it's wrong, it's difficult because it's the top. And it's always hard for the top. We are the top tier. It's hard for the top. Because everybody under you wants to, they, they don't want to obey you. They don't want to support you. Too many of them, a good number of them, want to remove you or replace you. So you have to understand when you rise to the top, you are putting your, really making yourself a target. I'm going to be global. Yeah, you, all you see about global is that 30-minute show or one-hour program where they have thousands before them. You don't know what they have to face to get there. And then what they have to face when they leave the, the spotlight. You want spotlight globalism. So I want to be in the global spotlight. I don't want to be in the global position with the responsibilities and duties and the, the struggles and wrestles that come with it. So a lot of your prophecies, they're all about you being in the spotlight. They're not about you being on God's side. They're not about you being able to take a hit and keep on moving. They're not about that. I still, you know, I'll say it to, you know, I'm a vessel of truth. I'll never lie on the Holy Ghost, never lie in the name of the Holy Ghost, and I will not lie in my seat. Now, I've seen, I've been short-sighted like anybody else, but I will not lie. And I'm telling you, I don't know a stronger man on the planet than Donald Trump. I don't know one. And I've been following the news, and I've been following things for a long time. I don't think we have a historical record of any, any presence, any leader going through all of that public abuse from day you get elected. When you get elected, you think it should be over? No, nope, it's not over. We got to go and they got to say that they didn't count it right. Okay, so they counted it right. Then we have to say that they manipulated the electoral. Okay, so they didn't elect, manipulate. Okay, so we have to, and this man has dealt with shame and violence because he believes in this country. He believes in this cause. I don't know a human who can have that kind of background. You got to 
shame on you every day. Every day. And we don't want to talk about the joke of impeachment they was brought through. And he's still saying, but we don't, we're going to make America great again. I God bless you, Donald. I just want to bless your presence. I don't know a better, a, I mean, a, a, a mightier man. This man is going to go down in history as a hero simply because he survived. Because he outlasted the enemy. Because that's how you become top of the top. You must outlast your enemy. God will never promote you until you have defeated all your enemies. What did he say about David? He gave David rest from all of his enemies. So when David actually becomes king, you don't really hear him warring as much. He's building. He's reigning. Because he had to defeat his enemy rising to the top. We want to rise on Facebook. We want to rise on YouTube. We want to be on Snapchat back, snap, We want to rise on Instagram. You want to rise on somebody else's shoulders. You don't want to, you literally don't want to climb. You want to rise. That's a magic mentality. David fought, 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 fought until he proved to God he can keep the nation and keep its citizens in peace and hold its adversaries at bay. That's what David proved. And so God said, oh, well, if you can stop, come on. And, and, and he did it. Hear me, people. Y'all listening to me? Yes, yes. Okay. He did it still in love with Jesus, more in love with Jesus than ever before. Because he understood that Jesus had to do the same thing to keep the planet, to keep creation. We assume that Jesus is sitting up there just looking around and saying, hey, it's good to be king. It's good to be king. All I got to do is sing because I'm king. <laughs> That's pathetic. We have a really construed perspective of what it is to be at the top. We really do. Anybody at the top, if they were put there by someone else, they're mushy and squishy. They bend to everything because they owe everybody everything. All right, I'm going to get it right. All that. You did something. But if they had to fight their way to the top, you don't move them. Old warriors make great leaders because war precedes leading. If you can't win in a war, how are you going to keep what you win? And we don't teach you all that. So you all are sitting there looking at what, you know, we have a lot of Solomonic leaders. Solomon didn't have to fight for anything, and guess what? He didn't keep it. Solomon did not agree with his dad, so he didn't keep it. Because Solomon did not do what David did, because he got it easy. David is like, I bear the scars of this thing. Solomon is, I've got the charge. So he didn't keep it. Solomon did not have David's wisdom to know that you're sleeping around with a lot of women and, and, and elevating the women to queen status is going to bring their God to power. Solomon didn't do that. So, and you can tell that he didn't agree with his father. He felt like his father's ways were too rigid, too strict. And a lot of that is what Samuel's boys were. Samuel's sons didn't agree with family. So you get a child that agrees with you righteously because you got some that agree because they love you, 
but they don't have the grit and the character. But Solomon's sons didn't agree with Solomon's way of ruling the nation. So when it was time for Solomon to pass the torch, the people said, uh-uh, no, we, no, we do not want your sons to rule over us. I mean, so I said, Solomon means Samuel. Scratch that, Samuel. S-A-M-U-E-L, just so we know. <laughs> Samuel's sons didn't agree. Solomon didn't agree with his father. So he ended up saying, well, I, listen, I'm, I'm not going to just have these women all in my harem. I'm going to give every one of them a piece of the kingdom, a piece of the land, a piece of the nation. And before you know it, the kingdom passes from him and from his life. And God interjects what Solomon promoted and agreed with. Jeroboam. See, you know, you t- people told you that the scriptures were dated, and you know what? They are dated, but they're dated from eternity. They're not dated from time. They're dated from eternity. God literally said, this is what we've been in our land. We worked this out in our realm. We worked it out. We came up. We, we did what they're doing with us right now. We gathered data. We logged our data, and it became the logic system that we used to keep nations or to recognize when people make decisions that will cost them their reign. So you have to think differently. So we're at a hard reset. And this idea that in this new thing, God is going to continue with the old, I promise you, he won't. He can't because if he was going to continue, he wouldn't have disrupted God's ways are powerful, and we say his ways are past finding out. But in the Old Testament, under, under the pre-Christ, as I would rather say pre-Christ and now Christ, but under the pre-Christ, it was difficult because God wasn't walking in us and talking in us. We had to go and read the word and read his scrolls and have somebody read it to us. Today, it's easy. They said, but the Spirit knows all, searches all things. The Holy Ghost knows everything about God because the Holy Ghost is God. And as God, he knows not only what from, from God's first creation, his first being, which is Jesus, his third being, the Holy Ghost, the two of them literally fusing and projecting themselves outside of their structures. So now the Holy Spirit knows everything about the Godhead. And so it says, and the Holy Spirit teaches us and reveals to us God so that we don't have to get duped. We, anytime you decide to learn from man and let man tell you he's smarter than God, dupe is on your stoop. Amen. You know, the prophet in me has to rhyme. That's what prophets do. So he turns around, God turns around and does the same thing, and he's done it over and over again. And the interesting thing about God is that, you know, the people say, well, what are you going to do? I mean, God will fix it. Even for God to fix something from the spirit to the earth, he has to pass through humanity. He has to pass through geneticism. He's got to pass through that. And then these people growing up, get the solutions are people. You know, in my book, which is coming out soon, Assessing your prophetic self. In my book, I deal with that, and I tell you why prophecy takes a long time. Mm. 
and tell you how you cannot make rash in the moment decisions and think that God can come and fix it like you spilled milk on the floor. Right. You understand spilling milk on the floor, spilling something on your floor, you get a cloth, you write it, wipe it up. Ramming your car into something is not going to be wiped up in a moment. No, it's not. No. Accidentally hitting a gas line, real problem. Water line, difficult. So there are, you cannot assume that the everyday messes that are in your household are the equivalent of you putting the wrong person in power. Sin grows up, and it grows up as it goes through the beings and the vessels that it will that it has infected. And God coming behind it still has to go through the same pathway. There's a pathogenic way that sin operates and God operates, and they both have to deal with the pathways that they generate. So there's the genesis of sin, and then there's the solution. So what we're doing today, we're going into the sobriety of God. See, because Satan's drunk. He's drunk with power. Right now, he's having a blast because he thinks he got us. And God lets him enjoy his party. But there is a, 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 a parallel in Adonijah who put, made himself president, or uh, king, rather. He just put himself in office. Had a party. David's son. David's old. You have to get used to your kids not agreeing with you because they are of a present culture. And they are literally choosing their own seat in semination. So David... Son, now I don't know. He's got a party. He's had a. He's already got a coronation himself. It is the ball. He is like the king. He's getting the. the he's given, get all, made his own crown because the daddy didn't give it to him. Made his own robe because the daddy didn't give it to him. Made his own scepter because the daddy didn't give it to him. Had to get his own white horse because the daddy didn't give it to him. And so he's a self-made sovereign, and he's celebrating. So it, it, it stands to reason that he also built his own castle, because that's where the seat reign from. So he built his own castle, and he's waiting for him to, to finish the, the coronation. He, he designed his own coronation, made the rules, wrote it out, everything, because his daddy didn't give it to him. I think that that's worth thinking about anybody who is a thinker in the kingdom. So he's having a blast, and all of a sudden, they hear a shout from Jerusalem, from home, where his father's castle is, where his father's throne is. And they hear this shout. And they're talking about long live the, the Solomon the king. Somebody comes and says, you know, I, I realized that you, uh, <clears throat> you did all of this because <clears throat> you thought you were going to rain. But news has just gotten to me. One of the times the news is right. <laughs> okay. And so news has come to me that your father just made your brother Solomon king. And he said, understand, everybody in the room is scared. And, and, and it tells you they all start creeping out. They need tipping out the door. Which is the best man working out? Okay. Because they know that what Adonijah has done is tantamount to treason, and he should be killed, and he might be killed, and they don't want to be on the gallows with him (laughs) when his brother decides to secure his seat on the throne. Now, 
David make him king. David made him king by the same things I said. Number one, you get the throne. Come sit right here. You get the throne. Oh, by the way, you get the throne. Oh, you get the crown. Oh, and you get the scepter. Hey, why don't we put you on my white horse? So that all, so when the people see Solomon riding out, that was the regalia of the day. They realized David has made him king. And all of the politicking and campaigning that Adonai did was actually against the state and against the nation. So Adonijah knows what it means. He can't avoid him. I mean, you know, when you're a public figure, it's kind of hard to hide out unless you're doing like these public figure things. That's a whole other story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, he has to go and deal with his kid because he's no longer his brother. You are my kid. So he has to go and he decides, well, all he, you know, devils don't stop and insane people cannot say it's enough. They always got one last play to play, and you need to figure out always what the final play is going to be. So Adonijah's play was, let me have my father's concubine. And Solomon answered in a very weird way. He said, well, then why don't you just ask for the kingdom? Because he knows, in in a sense, that is what he's asking for, a piece of the kingdom. And so Solomon is hot with him. So you you have to understand that no matter how much you think it should be, this man was working on building up a, a whole different Israel. He was, he was like our people today. We need a new America because the old one doesn't serve our purpose because our devil can't reign in this old one. And the ruthlessness. And so we and I'm gonna do a couple of pop ups on how to know that it's devil. Because see, some of you all don't understand why why I keep saying that. That's just religion. No, devils are not religious. Devils are ruthless. They're not religious. They hate religion, which is why they got when they tried to mess up the religions in heaven, God threw them out. Devils are ruthless. And they are hostile and they're heinous. But their objective in life is the slaughter of humanity. And in route to slaughtering us is to cause us unbelievable suffering. That's why we can come up with disease. Jesus did not, he does not create disease like that. He created diseases for devils, and devils are passing it on to humans. So as we go, now these are just hard reset thoughts. If you have a taking notes, just write a little. Heading, hard reset thoughts, because you think you know. And my job, because I'm very clear on my job, and I'm not, I, I, God knows I'm a faithful messenger, because I can stop saying what I've been saying forever. I, I've told the Adonijah story over and over again, because you can see it working today. If you don't understand parallels, you will never appreciate scripture. You'll always say it's outdated, because you don't understand parallels. Yet you go to college and get a degree, in history, that's outdated. Archaeology, geology, humanity. See, all the y'all, see, that's why God doesn't pay any attention. Because he's like, you know, your issue is when I, because I'm in charge of it. Because you, I mean, you got Gen X, you've got to know that. You've got to know primitive math. 
just so you can understand how to do today's formula. So new, new comes from old, old verse new. New comes from old, old verse new. And again, Ecclesiastes, that which is has already been. So you have to think like Christ. And that was a whole author discussion last night. Thinking like the author of Scripture. Not just thinking about how it affected you, how it impacted you. Most of these Bibles are 100% cultural. They're about the people. They're not about their creator. They're not about their maker. They're about how people struggle with God, how people struggle with his judgment, how people struggle with how he thinks, how people uh, struggle with his trials and tribulations. And I lost my mama, and they lost this and, the, and the nature and all of that. Always dealing with God, what they call God effect. But they cannot deal with why God did stop it. There is a section in Leviticus that is so scary. And God said, listen, I've got a whole bunch of plagues. I've got a whole bunch of judgments, etc." He said, and, I, and I, I literally released them sequentially. So I will do this, and if you don't listen, I will do that. If you don't listen, I will correct you with this. And then I will bring my seven sword plagues, the worst plagues I have, I will bring on you. He said it. Now, he didn't say it for you to get angry and talk about, but I don't care. I mean, I'm still going to live my life. Well, yeah, you live your life, and you'll, you'll starve in the family with everybody else. You don't, you don't stop it. God said, if you're righteous, you're righteous for yourself. And when you sin, you sin against your own soul. You understand, God's cool. He's, I'm God. You know, I make people. I'm still making people. All these pregnant people, we can have a whole new walk. We're going to have a lot of kids. <clears throat> So, but you have to stop thinking God is doing all of this and that he created it and invented these ways for humans. He didn't. All of this stuff, because if it doesn't exist in the spirit, it can never happen in the flesh, in any world. God's got a whole universe of dead planets out there. Whole universe. But they keep looking. They got up. Now, I know that he has creatures elsewhere. I know that. Of course, you know, he has to because we got angels. You know, everybody chasing aliens, just look at angels. Angels got a whole community. And some of them were given plants. You know, and, but God doesn't give plants. I don't know. He gave the planet to, uh, to uh, Adam. He didn't keep it, but he gave him a planet. Hey, guess what I'm giving you? A whole planet. So, stop uh, human. We are not life under the sun in a plastic bubble that we control and we created. No. God, all of these judgments, good, bad, all of this comes from God's unseen world, his invisible world. He had to come up with all of these measures to secure his people's safety, to provide, etc. It was spiritual first. So when devils came to the planet, what could they bring but what God did? Otherwise, he's not alpha. If Satan can come up with anything that of his own that he did not get the potential for from Christ, from God, then guess what? God's not alpha. God made him. He didn't make God. That's why he keeps getting angry with us because God won't let him live his life in peace. 
were on a problem. Did I do it right? Okay. The cause, the word, and everything all around the planet. Why? Because Christianity took the globe. So he has every right and he has all of the deposits in the planet from his son and the Holy Spirit to just revive. When we think revival, we just think us. God's revival. No, God revives Christ deadened or buried seeds, deposits, impressions, and we can go on insemination. He, revival is always happened by dissemination. You have to reseed the ground. You know, we were just looking at my lawn, and we had all of these little weed pockets growing up, just popped up all over the place. And the poor little grass can't do a thing about it. We had to bring the guy in to reseed, to kill the weed. And that, I look at that and I thought, see, that's reset. Because, see, what, that's weed and tail parable. Who planted these? Well, what are they? So God, for a season, let it all grow together so that it would become obvious who's who and what is what. And whenever they are all fully grown and it is obvious what is a wheat, what is a tear, who's the wheat, who's the tear, who's the gatherer, who's the scatterer, then God sends the reapers. So what reset means? To set again or differently, to set again or anew, to change the reading often to zero. And so God has zeroed out what we have become accustomed to. Here, you got to delete everything. So I'm going on. So what does it mean? What does it look like? What does reset mean? And so we can say reset is uh, the difference between soft reset is that a soft reset clears all open programs and reboots the device. Most mobile devices can be soft reset by simply pressing the power button. But but um, check with the manufacturer's guy. Put this: a hard reset clears the RAM and returns the device to its factory setting. Now. I'm going to share with you, because you know I have something. Y'all know I do have something. <laughs> so these are some of the, the things you might want to say. You can click a picture of it if you have your phone up. So when we talk about reset, we want to go back to zero. But we, most of the people, we right now at a zero out. We can't go anywhere. Most people can't make money. It's also to adjust again after an initial failure. After an initial failure. Y'all didn't catch that? Yes. And then it says to step back to the initial state, to set again or differently, to change the reading often to zero, to move something back to an original place or position. We all started at home. Where we moved back to home. Us and the children. <laughs> to put back in the correct position. This one I love. To put back in the correct position for healing. We've been praying, heal our land. And we ask as if God heals by snapping his fingers. God does. He does heal. He can snap his fingers. I'm, I'm one, two, three. I'm king. Here's what you don't realize. He snaps his fingers, and, it, and, the, and the immediate servants and agents and representatives show up. 
and then he he passes that snatch implications down through the ranks. God has ranks, principalities, powers. One of my books I'm writing, one day I'm going to write, well, actually I'm in the middle of writing it. Been writing it for like, what, seven, eight years? Spiritual protocolic, God's unseen powers. And so how God rules and governs. Now, I don't know when it's going to get down to, you know, because I, I love y'all, but y'all going to write me and ask me, and I'm going to tell you I can't do it yet. Because <laughs> I would write me. <laughs> I want that book, and then I pray on me. <laughs> Aren't you glad that I can push back on prayers that are not the will of God concerning me? My Lord. <laughs> That's one thing a leader has to do is know when people are praying the wrong prayers and push back on them and shut them down. Because, see, that's what clouds your mind and muddies your waters. But so God expects he's correcting us for the purpose of healing and deliverance. And then... We said to put a gem into a new piece of jewelry. The church is God's gem. We the lives be sold. Remember, he's putting us in new settings. He's resetting us, putting us in new gold, new uh, silver. So let's go on. So in the end, we're talking about all settings are removed. You understand that wherever we went, every, that's gone. Factory, the factory, and in, in, in this case, the factory is primitive and almost primordial public life. And, of course, the differences. Now, you're going to like this one. I have to go and put this up. Can they see this? Yes. Hold on. Because, you know, got to have a hard reset. Yeah, we sang it too. We have, you know, we have, we have a song. All right. So, what do we expect? I don't know what this is. Uh, what do we expect from our hard reset? It's important that you understand. And, and this, this particular, I love the word cloud, y'all. Get used to it because you know until I get a new toy, this is it. <laughs> Exactly. So let's look at some of the words for heart reset. Because words for reset and gentle. Now heart pretty much is self-explanatory. It means uncomfortable, rigid, immovable, dominating, and indomitable. It's a real pushback. God is pushing back on something. And so it's up to our thinkers and thought leaders to explore what God is putting, pushing back on. And we've gotten some great videos. This video that they talked was sent to me about Brother Ick laid this whole thing out. And so we will let you know where to go find it. But um, words for reset. What are we talking about? Restart to start from scratch. That's powerful. So we're restarting. So what does that look like? Well, let's look at the fact that it's, number one, make a clean start. We have to start all over again and clean up some things. You know, we talked last night on the show, and when we did, we talked about the public school system and why it works. So we, we, and we had further conversation at home. These kids live horrible lives, 
the colleges were brothels, literal brothels. Now, I know we don't want to say that, but the colleges were literal brothels, whorehouses. So if you were, so you had how many kids could say, I was trying to do homework and my, my roommate was having sex with their, with their partner, whatever. You can't get in. We have jokes. Put the sock on the door so you know you can't come in and get it, do your homework and pass your class. So you're paying a crazy tuition, but you can't use your dorm room because it's a brothel. And parents love it. You love seeing your children so that they can taste life, not the upside of life. No, the degrading side of life. They were so bad that we, if you key in now and look up key in rates on university campus, you'd be surprised. I'm telling you, even college kids need to be homeschooled. Beer parties, beer bars, let's do drugs, stealing exams, literally posting papers and selling them. We need a clean start. Kids, elementary and high school. I mean, pummeled, battered, beaten, bullied, in the, in the school, all of the places that should have been safe became literal toxic danger zones. Teachers can't teach. Scared for their lives. Gangs running the school. Hard reset. And humans couldn't fix it. There are times that heaven has to say, let's pull the plug on this. And so heaven pulled the plug. Now, you want to say, no, men did that. If God didn't want a disease, do you know how many things that God stops that don't get off the drawing board, that don't get off the ground, that nobody knows, even the perpetrators can't figure out why it's not working? (laughs) But this is not about the unbelievers. This is for the believers. I don't kid myself. I, I talk to believers. I talk to saints because God literally put the, the church in the world to be the salt and light of the earth, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we, we shut out our light, started buying our bulbs from darkness, <laughs> and we just totally allowed our salt to lose its favor or its saltiness. Nothing is worse than finding salt that was in your cabinet for 10, 15 years, thinking you're going to keep it. It's not going to happen. It's like eating plain grit. Oh. It's salt. And we are plain grit. We are irritant in the eyes of society. Yeah. They don't know why. They got, I mean, really, we, we're not keeping them because salt is also supposed to be preservative and it's supposed to prevent spoilage. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. As a matter of fact, everybody knows you've got to throw out salt after a while, because it won't, especially if you're trying to cure something. Here's some powerful things in salt. Seasoning, flavor, savor, preservative, purative, uh, 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 purging, purifier, cleanser, getting the disease out, and my personal favorite, curing. So when he said we are the salt of the earth, we were supposed to be all of those things for the planet. We shouldn't be here, Christians. We shouldn't be here, elect. But instead, we let somebody else come in and tell us, well, you don't have to do all of that. I mean, 
I mean, because there's more of them than you. Yeah, the only reason it was more of them than us is because we stopped evangelizing. Because, see, when you go to give God these lines, he's not impressed. He won't be impressed. He just won't. So make a clean start. How about this? Roll back and rearm. I thought that was something. Let's talk about resetting the clock. Because one thing about sin, sin times out. It never expires. Sin doesn't have an expiration date. It has a doomsday, the doomsday clock. Sin sets and, and literally sets the doomsday clock in, um, in motion. Key up, there is such a doomsday clock. There's an image for it and everything. Okay? To rebuild and um, rescue. Forget the second S. To rebuild and rescue. Reset is to rebuild and rescue. Your, your data is corrupt or is exposed, is jeopardized. Your, your thoughts are in danger of being corrupted or annihilated. So God used this phrase to let us know we have to rebuild. Some of us got to rebuild our computer, and most times we do not get everything back. Yes, yes. You know, when you take it to the wonderful computer wizards, and they said, well, we could do this, but you're going to lose, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay. And you have to make that hard decision, remember, to lose, blah, 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 just to have something of what you created, invented, saved, restored. How about this, transplant? A lot of things, when we come out of this, are going to be transplanted. We're going to say, uh, this is what does hard reset look like. So, it's re- so we're going to replant, replant some things. You know, we're going to have to do that. And it's important that we do it. We're going to, we're going to rearrange. Some things are going to be, God's going to, and that transplanting, there's going to be rearranging. And our rearrangement, there's going to be really true transplant. And then I like this one here, rebalance. We, I mean, we were extreme. Talking about those kids. We, I mean, we were talking last night going home. You go to restaurants, the server cuss you out. But then everybody was vulgar. Everybody, I mean, they cussed you out, called you a dirty name, or just talk. I don't know what the so-and-so you. Everything was nasty. Everything was vulgar. Kids cussing out their teachers. Kids talking. But kids, you can't get an A in English, but you can get an A in cussing. Failing English. Failing math. It was a vile situation, and somebody needs to articulate the vileness. It was vile. Kids walking around playing with their private parts because that's the only thing that they can lay claim to. Yeah, you need to be home with your mama and your daddy. Yeah, yeah. Telling, I mean, literally, when you walk down the street, you're going to say, kids, you, you don't even have a whole voice yet. We got to rebalance things. Everything cruel was out of it. Let's talk about the, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to get to something else. Let's talk about nullify. There are a lot of things, practices, cultural practices that were vile, just vile. We are talking about today the number of people getting snatched off the street, black women being the, 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 the number one thing getting snatched off the street, and we walking around with, the, the, with that optimist international mindset, but it won't happen to me. Yeah, right. How do you know? How do you know? Who 
the head. Who broke our heads? How did it get shattered? We're talking about a, a woman carrying her kid and somebody snatching the baby right out of her arms. No, we got a lot of things. Have, and, 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 and over and over again, Satan has become, wanted to get us not only uh, desensitized to all of this, but also acculturized to it so that you would accept it as life. Because this was B.C. life. This is what it was like in the B.C. A lot of people never came home. A lot of people were, were, were kidnapped for rituals. Were kidnapped. A lot of virgins were kidnapped to become slaves. And whatever sex slavery is not something a, a 21st century thing. It is a resumption of the B.C. culture and the B.C. lifestyle. That's under paganism. That's life. That is life under paganism. And you need to study it. You need to look up paganism, look up heathenism, and see how much modern society mirrors or emulates it or revives it. Because you want to know what's going on. And you act as if they're, I'm just, oh, yeah, she's just, <clears throat> you're just religious. No, no, no. First of all, in the B.C. times, everything was religious. Everything. Every god had a religion. What did the pagans tell you? Go pick a god or goddesses and find out how to worship them and be and be faithful to them and be loyal to them. You're talking about the god that lost the war? Because I just need you to understand. Because we don't understand. We were too busy trying to give you our, our impression, our interpretation of, let me back it up, our impersonation of the good news. But see, devils impersonate Jesus Christ. He never impersonated them. That's why they had to put him on the cross. He could count on them killing him because he wasn't going to conform and convert to them. He wouldn't do it. So here we are. So let's look at it again. <clears throat> How about this? Readapt to a culture of cleanness in life. It may take a while. It may not happen as what we see. We may get arrested, and before we know it, we back at it again. But I can assure you, I can assure you, when God's done, he said, I'll give you his words. I'm going to even have to give you mine. He said, before it's all over, he said, they're going to want me all in their business. He said, before it's all over, I'm going to be God, and they're going to chase me. They're going to want me. They, he, that's what he told me. I said, oh, Lord, help us. And then revert. Here's another thing. We're going to see a lot of God is reverting things. Where are we? We have public school. Now public school is domestic. It's household. Where we began. Where children first began. Learning at home. Now, I know that there are people, because, you know, it, it was said, you know, when there are kids that they relied on the public school system. Listen, I'm sorry. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I'm telling you that the problem was big enough that God would literally have to say, I'll take care of them myself individually. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I'm not going to do away with this campaign and this project of enterprise simply because of that. That God will send, he sent ravens to feed his prophets. God will send food. He will send solutions. And let me tell you something. If it bothers them enough, they're going to find a way for a human services to go and help these kids. But that is not the, that means that the problem, see, it's not going to be callous. The problem was so massive and so indomitable that he had to say, clean, sweet, let's just wipe it out. Reset. Wipe out. You do know that's what reset. It wipes out 
he had to do a complete wipeout. I know that, well, I'm just going to go on here because we want to get done. How about this? Reconfigure. Taking reconfigure to the original position and set it. God did not make little kids to be bald miniatures of vulgar adults or vile miniatures of vulgar adults. He did not make that. You're talking about even now, the next thing we're going to see God does is, trust me, I'm going to get there. Return to original state. We already covered that one. Reappoint. What reappointed for? I thought that was pretty good. How about taking back to zero setting? To re-execute purpose and destiny. To realign. Because you might like that one. And to switch. We're going to switch from what was destroying not just our country, not just the world, but people. God is, you understand, God is sitting here saying, i got to save some of y'all. Okay? And in order to save, there's got to be a cleanup. Every time the Lord was coming, he said, clean up the populace. Joshua said, wash your clothes, wash yourself. And, and stay away from your, listen, don't come to God with your sexuality on you. Stay away from your wives. That's what he said. That's Joshua. Now, John the Baptist comes, and God is doing it again. So what's going to follow is a massive cleansing with the word of truth. Because John the Baptist came and he preached the baptism of repentance. And he had to let people repent. Because people, impenitent people, will not receive forgiveness because they don't ask for it, because they don't want it. So, and many of them, don't, they don't even know they needed to forgive. So, John the Baptist, the prophet, because God starts everything with a prophet. I know that you are tired of, don't get tired of me saying it because I'm going to say it. And before long, you're going to say it. And then what's going to happen when my book comes out, you're going to be able to vet a prophet. Because this book is not about affirming that which has failed. It's about exposing what has failed. So you're going to learn how to assess a prophet, because that means assess. So you're going to learn what does it take to assess a prophecy with particular and specific. Because when you move into assessment, you're now working on specific criteria and particular measurements. I'm going to say that again. When you are in assessment, you're moving on, what did I say? Does anybody in the audience remember Specific criteria and particular what measures. Together they're called something, they're called benchmark. So we don't we have tier to four, we haven't had benchmarks for profit. We've had experiences. Not expertise. You can't experiment on a, on an experience. So we haven't had expertise. But you're gonna nerve about prophetic expertise. You're going to know where, how to vet a prophet and prophecy. You're going to get steps for how to follow through on what I just said. So why? Because God is going to switch out the emotional, the feeling, the anointing, 
for the appointed. Anointment comes after appointment. Unless you're anointed to learn. The only time anointing precedes appointing is because you're anointed to learn. So you are you get an anointing to learn. So why why is that a big deal? Because reset means remission. And without repentance, there is no remission of sin. So prophets have got to get you to repentance. God has always done that. He uses prophets to arouse or inflame the, the, your deadened conscience and consciousness of what you live. So they literally bring the oil that softens that tanned conscience that was seared by sin. So we can't have prophets that don't know the word. Because God will not obey humanity. You know, we, we had all of these kind of interest, interesting removal. Well, this was the so-and-so renewal. No, renewal changes. That's why it's renewed. When I renew my car, it changes. When I renew my contract, it takes them back to original meaning and intent. So what we, it's also clear. God's clearing, I told you, wipe out, clearing the debt, readjusting. He's readjusting people's consciousness and concept of life and its successes. But it also, a reset is to reschedule or delete. We delete what we don't want to keep going, and we reschedule what error has overscheduled or scheduled over us. So we're doing that. We were, now I like this one here. This is one of my favorites, too, other than remission, obviously. But it returned to baseline state or condition. We're building on a new foundation, baseline and foundation. We're building on a new foundation. And the foundation of God is the, a church, the pillar and ground of truth. We're recomposing, starting over as we can see. So when you think about reset, these are some of the things. I want you to consider. So if the, the church is the pillar and ground of truth, then where do we start? I have been trumpeting Bible error. I'm talking about long-standing vanguard publishers, publishers printing Bibles that are writing out your Jesus. Mm-hmm. They just write them out. Can you see? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I gotta come out of that. You know, I'm so excited. I'm learning stuff. There we go. How's that? Almost. Let's do this. I'm getting there. Look at me. Am I doing it? Did you see that? And I just want all of you all older people who talk about we don't do computers and we don't do I am sixty eight. And I'm gonna do I'm gonna do computers or whatever else God got going on when I'm 80. But let's look at this. People often I mean one of the most popular translations of the Bible today is the NIV. Now I don't know if they fixed it, so I would like to put that caveat in there. I haven't seen it, but my Bible is this one here, the Defined King James Bible, and at the end of the page. They tell you either what things mean, but they also tell you what's omitted in modern translation. Left out, left out, omitted. Now, you have to understand that 
appreciate if we had error? I don't understand how the name of Jesus is error. Okay. So I, I get stuck on things. I'm, I'm such a basic girl. So I don't. I personally don't use the NIV. I just and I never did. When it first came out, I read three passages in it that didn't make sense, and they have since fixed a lot of them because they said it came out with like six thousand errors. Now, I don't know how many. You can go online and say and key up errors and look at the dates so that you know it's accurate. But I don't, personally, I don't use it. And I don't use it because it's too humanist. It has a humanist tone. It has a humanist sound. As a reader, as a writer and an author, I know that. It's kind of like when you go to work and your, your policy manual sounds a lot like your, probably sounds less intelligent than your game guide. So I personally, me, this is me, this is not you. I don't want an easy read for the sake of ease. I want what the author wrote. And these people who have all different religious backgrounds and religious experiences cannot tell you that God dictated his word to people, not groups, individuals. Now, can, oh, should we affirm each other? Yeah, we should. Should we make sure everything? Yeah, we should. But overall, I don't use it. I told you, I like to, uh, if I had to struggle with any, I'd be struggling with um, the HCSB. Now, there is a book you want to read. If the Psalm, um, I believe it's 1311, um, if the, by this man, Chick Shallaby, if the foundations be removed. We are not the salt of the earth any longer. Foundation gone. We're not the light of the world any longer. Foundation gone. We are television, which is a prophet. It is a technological outlet for prophets. We neither see nor meet, and they have more power. We are, we are more inclined to say what some television show did. So according to this man, and this comes with a little pamphlet. I love the pamphlet. I thought I had it, but I left it home. My fault, I left it home. But it says the NIV omits Jesus' name 46 times. Now, for an everyday reader, who would know? But for an apostle, that's a problem. For a prophet, that's a problem. I would see, when I would sit down with these prophets and see them running with the NIV, I used to, I, I never said anything, but why would I? And I'm thinking, Okay, so God didn't tell you his feelings on this, <laughs> or you didn't care. So I, my suggestion, if you want to read, now this comes in a smaller version. They haven't bought me this wonderful big letter box. And you know why it's big? Because I can't see. <laughs> so we get big presents. Most people over 40 are starting to look for big print Bibles. That's right. Because <laughs> you know? Extra large. Okay, extra large. I'm telling you. And so, but it's at 46 times. That's a lot of times since there's, considering there's six, six books in the whole Bible, and 27 of them are the New Testament about Jesus. So if you did the math, 27 books or epistles and 46 omissions, if you did the ratio, that would be a thousand. That's ridiculous. So the first thing we need to talk about is the words that you call scripture. You're looking for an easy read, and God is looking for his righteousness in what they write. So we don't. Now, why is that a big deal? The reason is you're to 
to have teachers. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, 29. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. God knew it was going to be difficult, which is why he established and built entities called teachers. Fivefold, Ephesians 4, 11. God has given what? He gave some apostles, some prophets. He gave some prophets. For most people, God evangelists. Then we got pastors and teachers. In the end, the wrap-up, the one that wraps it all up is the teacher. God has, guess how many times he talks about teach in the Bible? You're not born knowing God, and you're not born again knowing him. You're born again carrying him. You're born again hosting him. You're born again filled by him. You're not born again knowing him. And we taught you that you were. Well, I got the Holy Ghost on the inside to tell me. I don't know if you got the Holy Ghost or your mama and daddy's host. Because you don't, the devil don't leave because the Holy Ghost came in. They didn't leave the planet, but you know they're not going to leave you. That's a progressive work. Why? Because they're tied to your genetics. They're tied to your entire branch strain system. So it, and they have to leave by your command. The Holy Ghost can't command devils to just leave you just because, because you might like them. You might like that devil that tells you how to cheat people out of money. So you're not going to try to get rid of that devil. You might like that devil that gives you, that, that makes you so flirtatious that you never have to deal with your sexual dysfunction and your looseness. You might like that devil, you know? A lot of people like their genetic depth because they are in your gene pool. So you might like that. You might like that devil that, that makes you sick all the time and keeps you diseased so that you never have to stand up and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and you don't have to take on your life. You like it. You might like that devil, those regular visits to the doctor's office where you get all the attention you can't get anywhere else. You might like that. And the devils are like, yeah, and some, some people are willing to pay a bitter cost for it, a bitter price. But you might like that. You might love the feeling of all the drugs that take you off the hook for being a productive person. And people like their devils. So we walk around, a lot of that teaching just ignored it. You might, you might really, really like it. You may really like that appetite for, for vulgar music. Or that, that, that skepticism that keeps you from wanting to believe Jesus Christ. You may like that. So the Holy Ghost on the inside is to give you power and to give you potential. And if you want it, to give you possibility. And then your new creation spirit, which is due to the Holy Spirit, will continue to stream that into your soul. Now, your soul may clamp it off like a bleeder. Or it may... Thank you. Thank God for the uptake and just take it up into itself and assimilate it. But see, all of that we'll talk about when I write my soul book. So, how do we get here? Carnal teaching. Hazardous to your faith, your soul, your spirit, and your health. Carnal teaching. And you don't even know what carnal teaching is. The problem is if you're a second or third generation uh, kid, especially of a, a rebellious kids, you don't know what carnal is. You literally think your, uh, uh, your wardrobe church, a uh, choice rather, in church,
see, God initiated right, and he initiated based on what he knows is right. So you do it, and so God knows the source. You may not know, but God knows the devil, the devil that planted in your mind, the devil that spoke to you when you were in the mirror or spoke to you when you looked at, looked at that woman with those super tight pants and that super tight shirt, and you burst. You, at that moment, that spirit inseminated that identity in you. Not just idea. First is the identity. Then comes the idea to express. Mm-hmm. Y'all still working? I'm coming to the end. See, because you, you just assume it. When you put, uh, when you put antichrist in seats of authority, when you put them in prominent seats of influence, you have got to recognize they owe the powers, the spiritual powers that got them there. A body and a harvest. And so you'll have them, they'll start all of a sudden, all of these ads, these ads of people who sit with devils. Not every ad, but these godless ads, these pagans, all of this paganism, they tell you that they, they're all about nature. Funny thing about nature is it can't be still, it can't stay the same. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I change not. Isn't that nice to know? I am the Lord. I change not. Jesus will not change. He does not have to change. He said he knows every star. Now, if he knows every star, and Lucifer was once called the star of the morning, he knows every devil. He knows what they look like. He knows what they sound like. He knows their voice patterns, their frequency. He knows them just like you know the people you work with and the voice of your neighbors. Yeah, I heard Mr. So-and-so out there talking all loud this morning. How did you know it was Mr. So-and-so? Because you were familiar enough with them to know, to recognize their voice. So Jesus knows when the Spirit has deposited something in you. He knows how long it's going to take, and he knows how much that spirit is going to water that thing and needle you and needle you until he gets you to believe and buy into what he needs you to obey for him to have a place in you. When you get delivered, when you are really delivered, God does not have to tell you to cover your mind. He doesn't. When you're really delivered, he doesn't have to because the more you become like him, the more you hate what he hates. So you're not like him because you're not delivered. You're not delivered. You're not delivered. We're going to say you're not like him because you're not delivered. You're not delivered because you're not sold out. So you're already purchased. You're the product. You're the property of another spirit. And he's the one that decides how you look. Same thing with men. Sure, sure. Talk, well, I'm not even going to go with the little skinny man fans yet because they're going to go crazy. <laughs> but you're not, if you're not changed, you're not delivered. Go ahead. You're not delivered. And that's the point. So what is delivery? You know, a lot of times we don't realize what delivery is. Delivery came from livery. Livery is livestock that transported you, took you from one place to another. In the middle of that is the word alive. You're not alive in Jesus Christ. You still consume with dead works. And somebody needs to tell you. And so we got all these preachers who were paid by the culturalists and the cultural leaders of today who have said, well, yeah, it's not really wrong. Yes, it is. We went from dressing decently until we got to the, what, is it the 90s, the 70s? We still kind of sort of. I remember Kenneth Hagin preaching a condemnatory sermon about women wearing pants and that we should not condemn them. We went from that to forget pants. 
devil said, skin is in because skin makes you think of sin. That's the whole marketing attitude. Skin makes you think of sin. You think about all of the lotions. They aren't selling lotions. They're selling the idea of skin because skin is what you touch. You come down to you get skin naked for you to get into unclean things. You're tempted by that. When you see women walking around with their breasts out, that's part of the skin to make you think of sin. They want you to think of sin. So you say they, so they show up so that you can... Look at that cleavage and think of sin. Whether you think of whether I wish I had it, envy. Wish I didn't have it. The the guy, man, that's really a great thing for the view girl. Appreciate it. You know, made me think of it. Always salivating over other women, inseminating with adultery and whatever. A woman only looks like that when she is a sexual object. Because that's why we bear our breath. Isn't that why? Because you want you want somebody to want it, and so what does Satan do? He wants people to never forget women are sexual objects. He wants men to always know that because in BC BC times, every woman was up for grabs, even somebody's wife. And you didn't ask, you didn't court, you just did it. Last one: inspect your Christianity by inspecting your Bible. So is this my Bible? Is this Bible God? Does it, is this Bible for God or culture? Because a lot of Bibles are translated, paraphrased for culture. And you don't realize that. And culture comes from the word cult. Cult comes from what? The customs and the demands and rituals of a, of a deity and its religion. Now, we know that Jesus is not going to cut himself out 46 times. Right. Right. I'm sure he isn't. I mean, I'm with you. I think he's trying to give himself any more time. So how do we know that? Well, here's where we are. This is something you can take a picture of. And it says here, it shows the things that the NIV changed. And you can go online. There is a whole bunch. You do not have to take Dr. Price's um, word for Matthew 17, 21. Um, under, if you look at verse 20, the King James says, because of your unbelief. The NIV says, because you have so little faith. Unbelief says you have no faith. Un means zero. So, yeah, okay, and then it says, he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, this one says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Well, you just said that my faith is too little, so which is it? Right. See, contradiction. So we go on, he'll say, look at this. He'll say to this mountain, remove him to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Here's how we write it in modern times. Move from here to there, and it will move. But he said remove for a reason. There's a reason. The difference between that remove something from here to here, it can remove yourself. We're not just sliding across the room. You're removing everything about you from this place. But here's the thing, verse 21, how be it this kind goes out, goes not out but by prayer and fasting. NIV, omitted. Now, where would we not want to have some prayer and fasting? See, this is the 
dealing with the culture of the translators, and we're dealing with the consciousness of a king. I don't think that the NIV is 100% correct. I don't think anything on earth is 100%. There we go. So we all got that straight. But what I do know is kings think differently from commentators. The kings think one way. Commentators think another way. It's the difference between author and writer. And that is it. King King. Aha, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You got stuff. Ooh, you got blue. I like the other blue better, which please is pretty better. <laughs> um, you, know, you know what creature I have. I know. I'm changing the thing I need to do it. Yeah, I, I you know. This is fine. Stand up. Recognizing that God sent many voices mm-hmm. to us 
to try to get us to say, I don't want, for us to realize, I don't want this. So I think that's my thought, that part of, part of that, what we might lose in that reset is what we enjoyed in terms of all that leeway that God had given us to get it right. Great answer. Uh-huh. And the one, and, but when you have a reset, using that computer analysis, analogy that you just had, when you have a reset, you, use, you actually lose all corruption. Everything that corrupts is gone. So this hard reset is going to let you know what was corrupt by what's not coming back or what God is changing. And so the people, think about it. I like Eli because I use that, but then Jeroboam is another example. And Solomon is another example. And so every time God resets, he purges of corruption, the corrupt thoughts, corrupt mind, corrupt even the corrupt judgment and the corrupt teaching and the assumption. So we're going to lose corruption. I don't know if that's a bad thing. The corrupt, corrupt will lose their seat. You know, one of those things we saw was receipt. So they're going to lose their seat because God needs to say, this is not, you know, we want to narrow it down to, well, you know, that's just judgmental. Yeah. And you judge every day. Again, in my book, Thanks to Your Prophetic Self, I have a whole section on the fact that we never cease judging. We judge every single second of every single day. We don't always publicize them. And that judgment, judging, has a lot of sentiment. You're going to have to get the book to read how to use and define and to distinguish judgment. So God is not just judging. Judging is not always bad. For example, you know, you can judge. I can judge this blouse nicely. I can judge this. Look at that pattern. Like, that's a judgment. Isn't it? Right. Or I can judge, man, I don't know why she did that. You know? And so judging is integral, and it's unavoidable in human life. Why? Because God has to judge everything all the time. Why does he have to judge it? Because we judge items and issues, objects. An incident. God, on the other hand, judges beings and creatures and and seed and fruit. Mm. See, what God judges and what you judge are two different things. So when you think about judging, you know we because you you know Satan wanted us off his back, so he got us to hate judging because what does God have? A ton of judgment. Well, God's got you know literally multiplied trillions, kazillion of people. So he can't stop judging because he has to capture information so that he knows where to place us in the afterlife. Uh (laughs) And that's not to say who he's going to send to hell only. He has to know who he should rescue from hell. Because when you die, that will show up for you as well, as we see with Michael and Satan and Moses. So God's judgments are really beneficial because they either guard and protect you or they give you opportunity to reserve your place in his eternal life. Eternity is going to happen to everybody. Everlasting life is what everybody's going to because that's where God is as well. So when you think about God being harsh, God is harsh on the, on the jeopardy jeopardy that you're putting yourself into, and he's harsh on that jeopardizing spirit because he loves you. He wants you with him, but he wants you to know you're not the only decider in that, which is what we're taught. You're not the only decider. The problem is everybody who found that out can't come back and tell us. 
Who mentions him again? David. David mentions him. I want you to listen to these characters because it's important. We've got Abraham. We've got David. When is he mentioned again? Paul. Paul talks about it. And how do we get to know him? The church is patterned out after him. So Melchizedek is multiplied as priest to God exponentially through the church. Now, you have religions that say, well, you know, we're, we're behind. No, no, they're not. And for the reasons they started their religion, no, trust me, that's not God. But whenever he shows up, there's always, okay, always cataclysmic events. He shows up to do a reset. Melchizedek represents a hard reset. So for him to show up again in this era, what was it, 2014? Yes. Well, you'll hear the testimony of him showing up and and me kind of realizing later, like a month or so later, oh, we're getting ready to have a hard reset. Huh. And so here we are. God is taking control. There's another. We're trying to find this prophecy of me talking. It was 2002 of Jesus flying this amazing jet that was all light, all energy, nothing but, and it was close. You couldn't see it unless he wanted you to see it. And was flying this jet all night long, arriving in our atmosphere, this 2002, on a Sunday at 7.30 a.m. I will never forget because 7.30 is a very interesting number, very interesting phrase. So he came to take care of this issue himself. So I've been saying over and over again, we're getting ready to deal with the sovereign Jesus Christ. And I've been saying that since, well, actually before then, but since that dream. And when he came, he set up these docking stations in the heavens. That's why devils are crazy. So he literally docked, he's there. And he is taking care of this matter. So we're dealing with the, now remember, Abraham had Melchizedek. David had uh, talked about Melchizedek as the type and order of priests. Because remember, Ark's gone. So we don't know when he's writing this if he has yet brought it back home. So we have David, and then we see again, we come down the line to Paul in Hebrews, because that's their inheritance. That's the inheritance of the elect. We're the elect. And so we talk about that, and then we get a sense of it in Hebrews 7. This is so God is a, is a pattern God. He told Moses, see that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. God's about pattern. Now, I know that we are, you know, we're ready to say this is the end time. It's not. It is so far from the end time. I don't care about these, little, these people who think that they're staging it. God is going to bring a halt to it, an abrupt, sharp halt to it when he's ready and when they have completed the last thing he needs. So, from 2002 to 2014, it took 10 years, didn't it? 12 years. 12 years later, Melchizedek is, is in full bond, talking about we're ready, we're in. And he said, we're taking back America. We're taking back the United States of America, he said. We're taking back the globe, he said, and we're taking back the government of America. Now, what have we been seeing and struggling with? 
So, so when people ask me, well, how do you know that he's chosen? I know because I'm going back to 2002. It's important that we understand that. Yes. You agree? Yes. Did you want to say something? Just well, the statement you made about Adonijah is the self-made sovereign because his father, his daddy, didn't give him anything. I think this hard reset is going to reveal who the self-made people are versus who are the God-appointed ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and we, need, we need to know that now because we need to know as replacements, people claiming to be the, the new appointed, this and that. We have to know whether or not it's God. And the funny thing about God, God will make those to be replaced quick. They'll leave. They'll abandon. They'll vacate their spot. He always does. Did you have anything else? You got one more thing you can say. Then you Old warriors make great leaders. You like that? Yeah. Why? Well, because you said war precedes leading, and that is the truth. I mean, leadership is warfare. Yeah. It's a warfare position. You are fighting against what's either trying to stop you, the opinions of people, mm-hmm. um, what you're pushing into, what you're replacing every day, every aspect on some level mm-hmm. is a battle. It's and whenever you are put into position because of your charisma and all of those things, the placeholder type, and not because you've actually earned it, that's when they people get taken out, and they get taken out because you are not equipped. Like you said about David, no, he was called at 17, but he wasn't put in until he was 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And fought, fought from the anointing to and through then. And, and remember, he was first put in for one tribe, Judah. Yes. And they looked over there, and God started blessing Judah so good, they were like, hold on. Uh-huh. But, I'm but I'm going to say something. America was born and rose from war. First, when they started, when we started and became a nation, leaving England, but America became a world power by helping Great Britain. And I read, an, I read a book that said, you know, the minute those, they called them young, upstart, hasty, fiery Americans with a ton of money that they didn't know what to do with. And America would help them in the war. But eventually, America did, and they knew the minute that America won the war, it was the next world power. Mm-hmm. So we need to know our history. Yeah. And so I'm going to tell you right now, you better be geared up and strapped on, because if we're going to fight for this nation, it will not be around a conference table or in a diplomatic chamber. This battle is real. It is going to deal with money, and it's going to deal with a lot of things, but without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. On that note, that's a good time to sow a seed. So we want you to take a moment to do that right here, right now. It's on the screen for you. Dr. Price has Cash App. You're going to do uh, Cash App is dollar sign Dr. Paul Price with no spaces. And then PayPal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. And also text to give, which is going to be area code 918 203 918-203-6625. You can Go today, and don't forget that you can go on to takingitall.com, and you can become a patron. You can you can become a supporter of this program. If you watch with us every week, we want you to support this program. You could do that through takingitall.com. So now is the time to take a moment to sow a seed. Again, cash app, PayPal, and then text to give. It's on the screen for you. Amen. Well, see you next week. Well, I'll see you Sunday on the social media. 
congregation of the mighty, where God stands. I love you. Take care of yourself. I'm praying for you. And expect me to throw up prayers that I've been praying so that you will be able to click and get a prayer when you get just a little bit wobbly. I love you dearly. Thank you for supporting me. Have a great week.